Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Good morning, fellas. Welcome to Man Challenge Combat Manual Kickoff. Everybody come on in, have a seat. Hopefully you know what table you're at. If not, just pop a squat. Hey, my name's Ronnie. I get to serve here on our men's staff team. We've got three guys that are on our men's staff here at this campus. Andy Potter's back there in the red UofL shirt, and our teacher today, Chris Morgan. The three of us, we are composed to be your men's staff, and so However we can assist you guys to help you guys grow in your faith, the answer is yes, but also lean on your, your table leaders. So how many new guys, first-timers here? We're not going to ask you to say anything. Just Okay, awesome. Hey, we are so glad you chose to be here. This is a bunch of dudes who are trying to figure it out together, so you're in good company. Uh, our man challenge motto is what's said here stays here. And uh, there are no exceptions to that. So, Man Challenge, we are attempting to connect all of us men to Jesus and to one another, to other men. We're stronger together. We all need encouragement and accountability to grow. So I want to tell you four things that regardless if you're like, man, I thought this was some Man Challenge ropes course or if you knew what you were coming into, regardless what got you here, there are four specific things that every single one of you, regardless of where you're at in your faith, or if you're like, man, I don't even know if I buy into this thing yet, we want to develop four different things specifically in you, into your chest. One is we want to help you develop competence and confidence of who Jesus is. Because we want you, we want you out there talking about how Jesus transformed your life and continues to transform you more into his image. We want to develop intentional, authentic male relationships. You know, I'm blown away at how many dudes are surrounded with guys all the time, but no one fully knows them. They, they, they keep their cards tight. And so, so this is a cards down on the table here environment because that's how we grow together. We're stronger together. A third one is a heart to invest in others. Um, we just believe when we study the life of Christ that, that he came to seek and to serve. And so we want to develop a heart to invest in others. And then fourth, we want to help you develop a next step of faith, not to prove your love or to make Jesus love you more. That was settled on the cross. But because that's how he wired us is to take our next step of faith. None of us have arrived in this room. If, if, if you look at anybody and think, I think that dude has, no. Um, we're all pursuing making Jesus Lord of our life, Lord of all aspects of our life. And that is a lifelong pursuit. So we're thrilled you're here, guys. This semester... We are studying 2 Timothy. It's in the New Testament, and this is not a, oh, crap, I forgot to study 1 Timothy. Hey, you're good. We're starting with 2 Timothy, but we got a combat manual. We encourage you to grab one of these, but not just to grab it to see uh, what week's what. We want you to take notes because when you write things down, when you hear nuggets of insight, when you hear something that's like, oh, man, I didn't know that, or something that challenged you, write it down because you're, I think, seven more times uh, likely to remember that than if you're just thinking you're going to remember the whole thing. Um, 
We moved to this room. I know some of you are like, man, the block, it was closer to my car and all this sort of things. Partially, uh, how many of you guys uh, were in the balcony at F- in the block and now you're, you're in the room? Yes, I know you guys are like, this is awesome. Uh, we're not in timeout up in the balcony anymore. So, so that's partially so we can all be here together. Uh, you guys on the front row are like, I, I, I thought the block was fun. Um, that's one of the things. Second is this carpet, it really helps. And if, you, if you've been in the block, you know it helps keep from the ping pong bouncing. And you get, you know, you're hearing other dudes' conversations. So that's helpful. Now, that being said, if you're like, man, our group still has trouble hearing or, you know, would like some more privacy. Um, not that there's anything weird about guys wanting privacy. But... Uh, we can reserve a room for you for the, for the group time if that's helpful to you. Um, if you can stay in here, great, but if not, that's okay too. Um, and then uh, this is just, this room is allowing us to grow together, and so we're so excited the way God is, is blessing this ministry in this environment. And so um, Man Challenge is an environment, it's a tool that we're using to help us create a disciple-making culture, and we're thrilled you're here today. We're excited to, to be back together. I'm going to call out Chris Morgan. He is our guy, he's our Bible ninja that's teeing things up for us this morning, so let's welcome this guy out here to the stage. Man, we brought Chris on onto men's staff back in January, and Chris serves as the UofL FCA team leader, and he's also uh, one of our men's associates here, and you know I, know, I know some of you are like, man, how's that work? We are building a bridge between these ministries because we're trying to do the same thing. And Chris has been a complete blessing to me personally and to the men here. And so we brought him in to help us keep creating this disciple-making culture. Chris, Tammy, you've been married how long? 20 years. 20 years. You have three girls. Three daughters, Taylor, Britton, and Lainey. Yeah, so Taylor, uh, something big just happened in your all's family. You just took Taylor to Campbellsville. Tell us about that. How many of you guys have done that where you've dropped your child off at college? They don't prepare you for that. There's not a manual for that, man. That was hard. Uh, we, the five of us drove to Campbellsville, got her room set. Uh, we hugged her. We got in the car. We started to drive off. And for about 10, about 10 miles, man, it was ugly tears. I mean, like ugly tears. And my, uh, my 17-year-old is autistic, and she, she hollered from the back. She said, she's not dead. <laughs> I'm like, no, she's not. It sure does feel like a little bit. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's really, really rough. They don't prepare you for that. You, you raise some, uh, a child for 18 years and, and really trust the seed, and you give it over. And that, it was an ultimate trust, and it still is. So I, I'm dropping L off in less than two years, and there's a lot of guys in here starting to see that light at the end of the tunnel. What advice you give us? I would savor every moment. You know, you kind of go back and think, man, I just, if I just had about 20 more minutes, man, if I just would have talked a little bit more. And, like, and yes, as Britton said, she's not dead. But just some of the things that distracted me, um, they don't anymore. She's coming home for a, a, a day this weekend. And I promise you, it will be more intentional, um, the time that we get this. So I would invest the time that you have now. Truly do that. So my 16-year-old left the garage door open all night last night. And when oh, you I, still get on it now. And when I was leaving, <laughs> I said, please put the door down. And you feel like that was important? Oh, yeah, it's still important. Okay. I, yeah, it's still important. I don't. Um, but I did. So I reached out to Taylor, 
who's at mm. Campbellsville, and I asked her two questions. I said, what do you miss most about not seeing your dad every day now? Why are and, you going to do this right before I speak, and, man? And she said, <laughs> she said, here you go. Oh, yeah, that's she what said, that's for. She said, I miss the face-to-face -face conversation and mm. advice my dad would give me daily in small things and big things. I still love coming to him with questions. It's just harder not in person. And then I said, what is the, asked her, what is the greatest gift your dad equipped you with? She said, my dad has given me the gift of fully understanding the Holy Spirit and to know what decisions honor God and are best for me. He's also encouraged me greatly with the gift of discipline, which has already been used with cross country, but also school and friends. So, fellas, that's the type of man we're getting to hear from to teach God's word today. So let's pray. God, thank you for this man. Thank you for every dude in this room. We all came in with different stories, with different burdens, with different uh, just places in life, but Lord, would you remind every man in this room that you are for what we're attempting to do this morning? And so, Father, I pray that you would encourage every man with your truth, the truth of who they are because of your son Jesus, but also don't allow us to settle for leaving this room the same as we came in. Show us what our next step of faith this very day needs to be based on what you are trying to do in us. Use Chris to tee up this, your truth as he hides behind your truth and that you would use it to bear much fruit. We give you praise for that. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Chris Morgan, everybody. Amen. Well, hey, I love that guy. I've learned so much uh, from him just in the short time that I've had. You, you never run out of material. You only run out of time. And unfortunately, I'm already against the clock. And um, yeah. William McPherson, I don't know if you've ever heard of that name, William McPherson was a hard-working man, part of a demolition team um, that was for a large rock quarry. One day, he was transporting these explosives, and the dynamite actually went off in his hands. He, amazingly, he survived this, um, this tragedy. However, he was badly burned. He lost his sight, and both of his hands were, had to be amputated. It rocked his world in many, many, many ways. Few months passed, and someone shared the gospel with William McPherson that God sent his son Jesus to reconcile William to himself, and he accepted that truth. He grew in his faith. However, um, William had a burning desire to grow and wanted to read the Bible for himself because he was so badly burned he lost his sight. William McPherson learned to read the Bible in braille with his tongue. There's something powerful about God's Word. This semester, um, I'm really excited because what we're going to do is we're going to spend time in God's Word. The thing that we do not want anyone to do is we don't want them to walk out of a Thursday or a Saturday morning saying, this is what the speaker told me. And instead, I want all of us to walk out of here and say, this is what God's word said to me as we look in it. There's something powerful about God's word. There's 66 books, um, over 40 authors. It covers a span of over 1,500 years, but there's only one theme to the Bible. And the one theme is this, the glory of God. Each book of the Bible has a specific theme. If you look at the book of um, Exodus, Exodus talks about um, Moses leading the people out to Egypt. They lead them, he's leading them to Egypt. 
the book of um, Hebrews talks about going from milk to meat of the word. The book of Ephesians is going to talk about spiritual bodybuilding, how we grow in our faith. We are going to spend all semester looking at the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is combat manual. You don't have to be a smart individual to understand that there is a war going on, that there is a battle going on in our world today. One of the joys of, of, of my college football career was just being able to be captain of the football team. And it wasn't a large school. It wasn't a, a Power 5 Division I school, Campbellsville University. But I remember being the, um, the captain of the team, and it was a privilege to do that. But one of the things that came with that responsibility was I got to walk out with the coach um, before every game. And as I walked out with the coach, we would meet that head official. And the head official would always look at our head coach, and he would always ask him the same question. Coach, are your men properly equipped? And my coach would say, yes, my men are fully equipped. That's what we want to do as a, as a men's ministry. That's what we do, want to do as, as a church is we want to make sure that everyone is properly equipped in God's word. Let me give you a little background of this, this book, 2 Timothy, that we're going to be spending a couple months in. Um, it, it was written in 64 AD. Paul's about to die. This is his last, his last word that he's going to put, put out. Okay, he's about to die um, before he's beheaded. He's, he's writing this book. He's writing what's from this what's called the Maritime Prison. Now, here's a picture of it, okay? That's, that's a Maritime Prison right there. It, it's, it's said to be the darkest place in Rome. He's not writing this book from the Ritz-Carlton. He's writing it from prison. The guy that is in charge at this time, is, his name is Nero. Nero is the emperor. Now, Nero is a bad dude, okay? He is an anti-Christian. He hates people that believe in Christ. So much that Nero would have these parties, and he would take people that professed to be believers, and he would um, stick stakes through their bodies. And he would hang them up. He would douse their bodies with butane, and he would set them on fire to light up his field parties. This was a bad guy. This book was written from Paul to Timothy. Timothy was becoming timid. And Paul was in this prison, he realized that his protege, his guy, was becoming timid. He was becoming afraid in the world that he lived in. And he was shying away from standing tall and being bold in a world that was decaying. So Paul is going to encourage young Timothy. The word encourage actually means to shoot, shoot courage into someone. Have you ever had that happen to you? where someone shot courage into you. What do you do when you want to encourage someone? I mean, really encourage them. Not for just a short span, but for an extended amount of time. You better give them something more than a rocky speech. You better give them a little bit something more than, oh, man, you can do this. You better start quoting someone with some significance. And that's what Paul is going to do. He's going to give them a whole book, 2 Timothy. There's four chapters in this book. And as you look at each book, as we're going to look at each book, there's one phrase or a couple words that's going to be throughout every chapter. Chapter one that we're going to look at, it's going to say to protect the word. The word. Protect the word. 
Um, look at verse 13. It says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ. Protect the word. Chapter 2 is going to talk about study it. Share it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, it's going to say, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Protect the word. Stand and study and share it. Chapter 3 is going to say to stand on the word. You stand on the word. Three, chapter 3, verse 10 is going to say, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Protect the word. Study and share the word. Stand on the word. And in chapter 4, later on this semester, we're going to look at preach the word. Man, his last, one of the last things that Paul is going to say is he's going to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. He's going to protect it. He's going to study and share it. He's going to stand on it. He's going to preach it. Now, we're going to just look at a couple verses today. In 2 Timothy, if you have your Bibles, turn to it. It's going to come on the screen if you don't. We're going to look at two verses. And we're going to spend some time. We're going to kind of, kind of what my mentor used to say is go to the Word like an apple tree. You're just going to go to it and you're going to shake it. And a piece of fruit's going to drop off, and you're going to grab a piece of fruit and take a bite and then go back to the tree. And you're going to shake it. Then a piece of fruit will drop off, you grab it, take a bite, and then you go back to the tree. And that's what our hope and our prayer is. So have your Bibles. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Here's what it says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. That first word, Paul. Paul. Now, I don't want to assume that every one of us in here understand about the life of Paul. Paul um, used to be a guy by the name of Saul. As Jesus raised up um, 12 men, they started talking about uh, the kingdom of God. There was, there was a man named Saul that was in actually opposition of what Jesus and his his boys were saying. Jesus was raising people up in the things of God, and this guy named Saul was actually persecuting, putting people in prison, and actually killing people that claimed to be believers. But something happened. I love that phrase, but God. But God took a guy named Saul, and he gave him a different purpose in life. And for time's sake, we, you have to check out Acts 9 because it's phenomenal. But if I get sidetracked on that, we won't get to our material that we need to talk about today. In Acts 9, God knocks Paul off of his horse, literally knocks him off of his horse, and he shares who he is, and Paul's life is changed forever. Paul, for three years, is discipled, and then he comes back, and he starts to talk about Jesus. Paul, look at this next one, an apostle. An apostle, that, that word is, is apostello. That means one that is sent out. He is on one mission. He is on one mission um, for someone and something. He is so laser focused now on what he has. He is sent out. 
He has authority by God. And there's something called um, credibility. Credibility. You take that, that root word, credo, is the Latin word, credo. We get the word like credit card. Credo means believe. If you get a loan or you get a credit card, they're giving it to you knowing that, hey, this guy is going to pay it back. I believe him. He's good for that money. Paul is an apostle. He is going out and he is saying, I am one sent out by God. I am laser focused. I have credibility. You can believe the message that I am giving you. I'm not peddling unapplied truth. The things that I'm telling you, I am living. Paul, an apostle, by the will of God. The question I most often get, whether it's be church or whether it be down on campus at the University of Louisville, is um, what is the will of God for my life? What's the will of God for my life? And, and really, if you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer. That's the wrong question. What is God's will for my life? The right question is this. What is God's will? Period. Take me completely out of the equation. We have, we have to get to the point where we are so focused that it's not a... The, Jesus gave us a pattern. Not my will, but your will be done in my life. My contribution to this whole salvation thing was pretty easy. I got lost. That's it. He is laser focused by the will of God. You know, if I ask you all right now on the count of three to point in the direction of north. Ready, set, go. One, two, three. Point north. Look around here. Look at what we got. We got all sorts of different things. But you know what? Here, here's, let, me, let me solve this really, really quickly. I have what's called a compass. And a compass is going to tell me exactly where north is, which is right there. That's north. Listen, we have a compass that we don't have to guess. We don't have to get these all feelings conjured up. He speaks right here in his word. It's not my feelings. If I listened to my feelings, I would probably, I'd weigh about 500 pounds. I'd probably have multiple affairs. I would have all kinds of trouble. No, I don't live for me. I don't live for my eyes or for what my feelings say. I listen to what his word already spoke. Paul, an apostle by the will of God, according to to the promise. This is not a, um, a, a, a crossing your fingers. This is a promise, something that we can take to the bank. If I was going to go on, get on a plane and go with my family um, to Florida and we sat down and, and the pilot came on and said, yeah, thank you for flying such and such airline. Um, I'm about 50% sure we're going to make it to our destination. What? Hey, Tammy, we're about to bounce. We're about to get off this plane. No, there's something about confidence. We don't have to guess with God's word. Paul, an apostle, by the will of God, according to the promise. Where does that promise come? That promise that comes in Christ. Now, I'm not an English major or math for that matter, but English, they tell us that that word in 
is a preposition. And a preposition is defined as expressing relation to the noun. So that promise comes in Christ. And how many times do you and I try to find a promise or a hope in other things? I played that game of football from the age of probably six up to my last college football game, and here's how that went. Coach came in and he said, hey, that's a great season. All you guys, um, report back to the football office Monday to turn in your equipment. All right? I love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> what? That's how that ends? That's supposed to have a better ending than that. That took a little bit of my identity. My wife, I love Tammy Britton Morgan with all of my heart. All of my heart. But if my identity is wrapped up in my wife, I hope my wife outlives me. I hope she lives to be about 110. She may not. As much as I love her, she may die tonight. I hate saying that. But if my wife Tammy dies tonight, I'm serving Christ in the morning because my identity is not in Tammy. It can't be in, in, a, in a sport. It can't be in my wife. I, we've already talked about my daughter that we dropped off. She's got three daughters, and I pray to God that one day I'll stand in front of a minister, and he'll look, and he'll say, who's given this woman to be married to this man? And I'll say, her mother and I. And I'll go back and sit with my wife, and I'll weep like a baby. My identity can't be in, a, in, a, in health. Slowly but surely, I'm watching what I used to have. These muscles are slowly starting to drop down in my belly. Things are changing. I don't move the way I used to move. My identity can't be in health. You take any kind of medicine, pill you want. My identity can only come in one thing. Sola Cristo. Christ alone. Paul, an apostle by the will of God, according to the promise that comes in Christ. And here's the meat of our scripture right now. To Timothy, my beloved son. Timothy, my beloved son. Timothy was afraid. Remember Nero? Remember those field parties? Remember Paul is in prison, maritime prison? Timothy's like, oh, wow. If it's happening to him, it's about, it may happen to me. We can do this. One of the most common phrases in all the Bible, it's mentioned 117 times, is do not be afraid, I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am with you. That's God speaking. In football, they have something that when a receiver comes out and he goes across the middle and, and he knows that that safety or a linebacker or somebody's going to hit him, he develops what's called happy feet where he can feel the hit coming and he becomes very, very timid. Paul or Timothy is getting happy feet. He's becoming very, very timid. Timid. And Paul is going to look at Timothy and he's going to say, my beloved son. That is an endearing term. My endearing son. I, I love you. He has a love for him. You see, Timothy was raised by a strong, godly mother and grandmother, which we'll look at next week. But Paul was an incredible male influence in, Tim in Timothy's life. He poured into him. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. Maybe some of you have done that. Some of us may have been on the receiving end of that, where someone took time and they poured their life into you. 
everything that they have, they're given to you. Spiritually, it takes time to invest in someone. I came from a Christian home, a strong home. I left, I went to college, um, played football there. I, um, I gave my life to Christ truly my senior year in college, coming from a Christian home. I knew all those little Bible stories. I knew the story of Jesus. I knew it in my head but missed it in my heart. And I gave my life to Christ my senior year in college. And then I was, about, I was going to come on staff with FCA, and someone talked to me about be, being discipled. Yeah, you, you're, yes, you love Jesus, but let somebody pour into you for a little bit. And I, I, I talked with a guy by the name of Tommy Nelson, and I went down, and I, I remember going to take his discipleship um, course, similar to what we do here, whether it's Man Challenge or whether it's uh, getting equipped, whether it's DDG, where it's taking, somebody taking some time to pour in you. And I'll never forget going to Denton, Texas, sitting in a Crackle Barrel, and um, with two other guys that's going to take the discipleship program with me. And Tommy comes in. I haven't even ordered my water yet, guys. And this guy came in that's going to disciple me, and he sat down, and he said, um, which one of you guys are Morgan? I said, that's me. He said, tell me what you know about the book of Habakkuk. <laughs> Kid you not, true story. I looked at him, and I said, i got to be honest. I don't even know if I can spell Habakkuk. This guy next to me goes on this, it seems like an hour dissertation on Habakkuk. It's probably 10 minutes. But I'm thinking, man, I'm in the wrong place. I, I don't need to be here. Tommy listens to this guy, and he looks at him. He says, are you done? And the guy says, yeah, I'm done. Tommy looked at this guy, and he said, um, you're arrogant, you're cocky. I don't even know if I'm going to let you take this program. Now look at Morgan. He's stupid, and he knows he's stupid. <laughs> there's, there's something about just being honest and like, hey, man, I ain't got this thing all figured out. That's a good, good thing. That, that discipleship changed my life. This should change our life. DDG and some of those things should change our life, not because of the speaker, but the power of God. It changed me so much that I'm going to do this forever. Whether I'm on church staff, whether Ronnie fires me, whether my supervisor with FCA fires me and I got to go start a grass cutting business or I got to paint or I got to run the vacuum, I don't care what occupation. I don't care what I'm called to do. I will always have a group of guys that I can just do life with. It's table. And I'm not the most important one. Man, I'm getting fed too. That's how discipleship works. Paul is saying, Timothy, my beloved son. Maybe you're like, man, I can't do this. There's no way. I'm not like Terrence. Or I'm not like Sam. I'm not, I'm not Burke. God doesn't want us to be Terrence, Burke, or Sam, or Chris. He wants us to be you. And wherever you are placed, God can use us. I heard somebody one time say this, we are called to be fat. Like, well, okay, fine. Yeah, somebody finally said that. That's great. No, fat is F-A-T, faithful, available, teachable. Man, if we have those three things, something powerful is going to happen. We have to know our Bibles. That's one of our core values is to develop a competent and competent understanding of who Jesus is. That's why we're going through this text the way we are. We truly have an experienced life. And I'm getting ready to close it up here in just a minute. We truly have an experienced life until we've had somebody come up to us and say, hey, 
I want to spend some scheduled time with you. Would you make it a point, whether it's once a week, every other week, once a month, can me and you get together and just go through a couple verses? We really haven't experienced life until somebody, a man in this context, comes to us and says, hey, I'm hearing about this godly leader thing, this godly leader in our home. I, I don't even know what that means, man, but I, it sounds pretty good. And I know that I'm not. So can I get some time to talk to you about that? You really haven't experienced life until somebody comes to us and says, hey, I really want to know about this man named Jesus. And guess what you say when they say that? You say, yeah, I would love to schedule some time with you. I don't have all the answers, but I know somewhere that we can go. That's a great thing. I don't know if you've heard the story of a guy walking by. He fell into this hole. He couldn't get out. He tried his hardest to jump out. He couldn't get out. Guy came by, looked down in the hole. The guy screaming, out, hey, man, can you help me? Yeah, I can help you. I'll pray for you. Pray for you, brother. <laughs> and he just goes out. The next guy comes by. He walks by. He looks down in the hole. Hey, you need some help? Yeah, I need some help. Can you help me? Oh, yeah, here's, here's some money. Next guy walks by. Here's the guy. Hey, man, you in trouble? Yeah, I'm in this hole. Can you help me? Man jumps in the hole. Guy looks at him. He says, what are you doing? Now we got two of us in here. What are you doing? Guy looks at him. He says, no, man, I've been in this hole before, and I know the way out. That's discipleship. Where we come along someone, side someone, and we say, look, I've been where you're at. Let's spend some time together. Paul is preparing the next generation. He's about to go and be with the Lord, and he knows that. So he is encouraging a younger generation. If there's ever a time in our country now where we need some gray-haired and some no-haired folks to speak up, it's now. I don't care if you're 50, 60, 70, 80. We need some dudes to get around some younger people and tell them. When I first came on staff at FCA, I remember meeting with some guys at Crackle Barrel. I'm talking about those old hair or no-haired, gray-haired folks and they didn't let me talk for about six months. Because you know what? I didn't have anything to say. These guys that had been through depressions, they had fought in battles, wars. Man, all I could do was just take notes. There's something about that. That's disciple, discipleship. Discipling, being discipled is fantastic. flip side of that is discipling someone is even better. When you're taking in, that's great, man. You're learning. But when you sit down with a bunch of people and they're sitting with your pen, their pens and they're listening, you better start quoting someone with some significance. That it's not opinions. Let's see what God's Word says about it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. What does he say about that? I'm going to close with this. I don't know if you guys have ever heard. I'm sure everybody at this point have heard of this guy. This guy right here is Sammy Davis Jr. He's a singer. He's a dancer. He's an actor. He's a comedian, film producer. I heard this story the other day, and I was like, man, that, that is a good story. Sammy Davis Jr. was very, um, he was all over the place. He did all kinds of things. But if he, he became a model and a standard for young up-and-coming people. 
they would flock to this guy. One guy in particular that really took, um, took a liking into him and got close was Gregory Hines. Gregory Hines also um, went to Sammy Davis Jr. and he talked to him. He excelled on the film and stage as well. So he was learning from one of the best. They had a great, great friendship. I mean, their friendship was fantastic. They grew in their careers, but they also grew from a personal level. Gregory Hines tells the story, and he's quoted as saying, as um, Sammy Davis Jr. started to age, he got throat cancer. And it kind of it got him really, really quickly. He lost his voice. He became very frail. Um, Sammy Davis, or Gregory Hines knew that his time was drawing near. So Gregory Hines shares the story that he went to the hospital. Sammy Davis Jr. was laying in the bed. Gregory Hines goes over and he starts really having a one-person conversation because Sammy Davis can't talk back. He's sharing words of encouragement and what he means to him and all of these positive things, and Sammy Davis Jr. starts to tear up. Finally, the, the conversation is, is, about, is about to die out. Gregory Hines realizes it's time for him to go. He kisses his mentor on the forehead, starts to make his way out of the room. And he hears Sammy Davis Jr. get up out of the bed. He gets up out of the bed. And a little, in a frail little thing, he just kind of acts like he's dribbling a basketball. And then he does this. Lays back in the bed, and he goes to sleep. And Gregory Hines says that was one of the most important things of his life because it was a mentor passing the rock. Say, you got this. You can do this. I believe in you. But more importantly, God believes in you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just a couple moments, Lord, that we can look at your word. Father, we can't do this by ourselves. You have created this um, that we have to um, depend upon you, and that is a fantastic thing. Lord, I'm thankful that you have placed people in our lives, God, that can equip us from your word. God, I pray for us this, this semester, this year, Lord, that we will go verse by verse of what you say. And may we be changed, not because of a group of speakers, but because you change lives. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media. 